to KCOU 88.1 FM. I am Lucas Owens, and you're listening to Hate the Player, Not the Game on this very foggy Thursday morning. Make sure to be safe driving and walking. Uh, Definitely be cautious this morning. Very foggy. Just kind of came out of nowhere, but it's better than the thunderstorms we had at the beginning of the week. So we got a packed show for you today. We got the beginning of FBS football. I'm, of course, going to be looking at all of the American athletic games for the week, as I always do. Um, Then we got some MLB trade deadline action. We got some looking in the general direction of the NBA. But first, we got some breaking news Never break news on this show. Nothing really happens at 9 a.m. on Thursday mornings, except apparently Steve Nash getting hired by the Brooklyn Nets. Yes, the former point guard, the Phoenix Suns Hall of Famer, went to Santa Clara University, of course, about two minutes from my high school. Um, yeah, got hired by the Brooklyn Nets. So this is an interesting pick because, uh, you know, Steve Nash, he was, a, he was a great player. He was one of the smartest players, like one of the smartest basketball minds when he was playing. But the thing is, he had the highest position he has held is he was a player development consultant with the Golden State Warriors and the Canadian men's basketball team. So, I mean, you're looking at somebody with not a lot of coaching experience um, and definitely not a lot of high coaching experience, and he got hired by an NBA team. Um, of Of course, that NBA team is looking to add Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant back to the lineup next year, but still... It's a fairly unproven coach, but, I mean, weirder things have happened and worked out in the NBA before, so I wouldn't be extremely shocked to see this work okay for the Nets. Um, I mean, I think we'll get a lot of breathing room, but also I think think that breathing room probably only going to last one or two years at most because with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, they're, gonna, they're in win-now mode. Um, so, I mean... Who knows how it'll end up? Um, nobody, nobody's seen him coach before. That's the biggest thing. This is just a huge unknown for everybody, especially the Nets. And I mean, unproven coaches. I mean, the Nets did it with Jason Kidd. That obviously didn't work out. Um, I mean, he is an assistant coach with the Lakers now, but he was not the best in his stint as a coach. Um, so. I mean, we'll see how it works out. They seem to be pretty excited about landing Steve Nash, but I don't really know how excited they should be because Nash is just such an unproven commodity at head coach. But that's enough of breaking news. You can see how bad I am at breaking breaking news. Let's get into week one of American Athletic Football. So there's only about eight games in FBS football this week. Uh, It just so happens three of them involve American athletic teams. So going to be talking about that a lot. 
of course, I am launching the All-American Preview in Most American. I screwed up my own name. Most American Preview and Recap. That is starting this week. And the Most American Preview should be up at some point today. Make sure you follow the new KCOU Sports Twitter at SportsKCOU. And my Twitter, at Lucas A. Owens, to uh, find out when that is up. Because there's nothing I care more about than this rinky-dink, weird FBS conference. So, of course, we got SMU at Texas State to start off the American Athletic Conference slate in San Marcos on Saturday. So SMU is actually visiting Texas State here. But SMU heavy favorites, 22 and a half points. Um, I mean, Texas State, um, they're thin. They they were thin before the pandemic, and now with players opting out, they're extremely thin. And you got Shane Bouchelle entering his senior season. He had a breakout year last year. So uh, I don't see this not being a blowout. There's just, I don't see a chance that this is not a blowout in SMU's favor. I mean, could see it go the other way, but this is, it's either going to be a fairly close game out of nowhere or it's going to be a blowout, but SMU, it's going to win this game, I think, pretty handily, honestly. All right, moving on, we got the defending American Athletic Conference champions, the Memphis Tigers. Versus Arkansas State in Memphis at the Liberty Bowl on Saturday. So it's their first game since the Cotton Bowl last year where they lost by about 14 to Penn State. And it's their first year without Coach Mike Norvell. But, I mean, looking at this team, I think they're good to go. Um, You got Brady White returning for his final year course wanting to finish his education can't blame him he is also gonna raise his draft stock but the Tigers do gotta watch out because Kendrick Gainwell has actually opted out this year so looking towards his health um he decides to opt out so the Tigers I mean they've never been thin at running back they always seem to find somebody there but Kendrick Gainwell is a huge loss for them. He was probably, I would say, the main reason outside of Brady White for their success last year. Um, I mean, they are returning a fair amount of people on defense, so hopefully that'll improve from where it was last year. Um, And then talking about Arkansas State, they do return Coach Blake Anderson, who I think Mizzou fans will definitely recognize since, you know, Mizzou was going to bring him in on as head coach at one point, but uh, not much else. Memphis is just built different than them. Memphis, I mean, being one of the top teams in the American Athletic Conference, I think is going to have an easy time with Arkansas State. Crazier thing, Again, crazier things have happened, but uh, I think Memphis is going to win this game. And then we have what I think is going to be the best game of the weekend, both in talent level and competitiveness. We have BYU at Navy on Labor Day at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland. So the midshipmen are going to try to replace the loss of Malcolm Perry. I mean, that's pretty much impossible to do. They have a lot of players, but I mean, Malcolm Perry was oh, like a once-in-every-few-years player for Navy. 
and it's going to be hard to replace that. They have they have a lot of wide receivers and quarterbacks ready to do so, and I mean, with the way Navy is set up with uh, those strict requirements for getting into the Naval Academy, they uh, they can pretty much slot anybody in there that is an offensive or defensive lineman, or I would say kicker or punter, um, and they could do okay. Um, the hard thing is triple option is a very hard system to learn. It require it relies solely on the QB's decisions, and nothing compares to game time experience. I expect we'll see Perry Olsen in. He of course has played a few games as Navy's QB, so hopefully he will uh, be able to go on the fly. And uh, yeah, if they. If Navy gets start, this is a problem with the triple option. If Navy gets started good, they'll be fine. They'll win this game easily. But the problem is if they if they hit any roadblock anywhere, they're like it's super hard to come back from anything with the triple option scheme. So, um, this will be the best game in the AAC this weekend by far, probably the entire FBS. I'm looking forward to watching this game. Uh, they are facing off on Monday, Labor Day. They are the only game on Labor Day. Even more of a reason to watch um, besides these two teams being good. So that's all we have for the American Athletic Conference slate. But don't think I'm going to leave you just there because I got some power rankings to start the year off. So we're back at 11 teams in the American Athletic Conference now. Of course, with the loss of UConn, I say loss just because they left them. Um, I don't think they're thinking this is a loss, to be honest, with how UConn's competed in football. UConn uh, sitting out this, they've canceled their fall season. I believe they will still try to play in the spring, but UConn not playing at all this year. They wouldn't have played in the American anyway, but a few of these teams are losing a non-conference opponent in UConn. So... To start off the year for power rankings, we got number one. I'm picking the UCF Knights. Um, I think you got Dylan Gabriel returning for a second year. You got Mackenzie Milton possibly coming back from injury, which I think everybody's excited to see. And you just got another year of development for a lot of these guys. They didn't lose that much last year. So I think this is going to be a great year for the UCF Knights. Um, then... You got Memphis. I don't think you can place them anywhere else. They do return Brady White, but they do lose Mike Norvell. Uh, you got Cincinnati. Cincinnati, man. they I thought they were going to win the American last year over Memphis, and then they lost two in a row at the Liberty Bowl and just broke my heart. But, of course, SMU at number four, Sonny Dykes, Shane Bouchelle. I think this is going to be their run. I think... I'm placing them here to start just because I don't know where the rest of their team is at, but I could easily see Memphis running away with the conference this year. Then, number five, Navy. Navy's not going to drop off too much, but they do lose Malcolm Perry. Uh, six, Temple Owls, about where they were last year. Seven, Tulane Green Wave. Um, the, the spread option, um, I'm starting to really enjoy where Tulane is at. And I think they'll uh, continue that success this year. Then we get to the lower rungs of the American Athletic. Um, we got the East Carolina Pirates, the Houston Cougars, the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, and the USF Bulls. Um, Tulsa, I mean, surprisingly, almost got into a bowl last year. 
but uh, I mean, I just don't see them doing that well. And USF uh, starting a whole new system after getting rid of Coach Charlie Strong. So it's going to be a hard year for them, especially with the lack of non-conference opponents. But it will be an interesting year all around for, I would say, every team in the American Athletic Conference. But that is all I have for the week one in the American Athletic. Make sure to stay tuned for looking at the rest of the college football landscape, including the games we got tonight. Cannot wait to watch some of those. But you have been listening to Hate the Player, Not the Game on KCOU 88.1 FM. Thank you for listening. Today's episode, Bobcat in the Cave. To KCOU, geez, hot mic, hot mic on KCOU 88.1 FM. This is Hate the Player, Not the Game. Thank you for listening as always. So, we got the American going on this week. Geez, still hot mic. Um, got the American going on this week, but we also got other college football playing in the FBS. So, we got games today, actually. So, Central Arkansas is playing their second game of the year at the University of Alabama at Birmingham at 7 p.m. CST. So... First game of the year in the FBS tonight. So UAB has been a really fun program to watch ever since they came back. Of course, all of the controversy with them going away and then they come back and I mean, they've been, they've been great ever since they come back. They haven't missed the bowl. Um, so this year should be pretty fun for them in this weird year. At least this will be a fun game for them. Um, yeah, so. Uh, honestly, the fact that they're not going to play a lot of the teams that they play, like the uh, you know the SEC and the ACC, those bye games that they usually play, might help them, considering uh, they won't have to take on those losses. This season will look better for them, and uh, I mean they'll gain confidence quicker because they won't have to lose to those teams. But should be a fun year for UAB. Should be a fun game with Central Arkansas. I mean it's UAB and Central Arkansas. This is going to be a UAB win just because Central Arkansas is, you know, an FCS team. I mean, upsets do happen, but I don't see it. We do have FBS on FBS matchup one hour later. South Alabama plays South Mississippi in the Battle of the South Southern Schools in Mississippi at 8 p.m. South Alabama never has found their footing in the FBS, Southern Miss, not been the best lately. So, rough game. Should be a fun, should be a fun game. Uh, I think Southern Miss is going to come out with this, but these are two not-so-great teams. So, who knows what we'll end up seeing. But uh, I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to say Southern Miss is probably going to win this one. All right, heading on over to Saturday. We got Eastern Kentucky at Marshall at noon. So another FCS v. FBS matchup. You're going to see a lot of these this weekend. Um, won't be the best game in all likelihood, but after Marshall's big loss to UCF to end last season, uh, it'd be nice to see Marshall be able to bounce back, um, and I think they will because they're playing Eastern Kentucky. All right, we are seeing 
two matchups with service academies. We got Metal Tennessee State coming into West Point, New York to, of course, play Army West Point in front of zero fans because they're not allowing fans in New York. And Army, I mean, it's the one team in New York right now that is playing games outside of the ACC, of course, because I always forget Syracuse exists. So Army had a down year last year, all things considered. I mean, they did have a good game against Oklahoma two years ago, and they always are good to compete, but they did lose to Navy in the Army-Navy game. Not too surprising, but they do look good this year, as they do always. Uh, If they get started on the right foot in this game, as uh, I mean, their schedule this year is all wonky because of being an independent. Uh, I think they'll have a good season, all things considered, especially just how weird their schedule is. Um, But, you know, should be a fun time. Triple option, always recommend that. All right, moving on. We got Houston Baptist at North Texas. To, to at 6.30. So, another SCS at FBS. So many of these this weekend. Uh, North Texas's offense has been really fun to watch these last few seasons. It's been really powerful. And Houston Baptist is Houston Baptist. So, expect North Texas to handle this one easily. But, their powerful offense with this slate of games, I'd recommend watching this game, to be honest. Alright, finally, the last game we have this weekend, we got Stephen F. Austin at UTEP, and they're playing at the Glorious Sun Bowl at 8 p.m. to round things out. So honestly, I could see Stephen F. Austin coming out of nowhere and beating the uh, minors of UTEP this year, but rational thought leads me to believe UTEP is going to win. All I'm saying is that UTEP has never been the best football program, and Stephen F. Austin could come out of nowhere. But will that actually happen? I do not think so. Still, you get to watch a game in the Sun Bowl. Never disagree with that. But that is all I have for FES football. As you can see, not a big week this week. It's the first week of games, though. And that's what I'm happy about in this weird world right now. All right. We're done with that. After the break. Going to look at the trade deadline for the MLB. Thank you for listening to KCOU 88.1 FM. Hate the player, not the game. Going to look at some trade deadline overview. So if you listen to my show on Saturday... You know, I was uh, I was pretty excited for the trade deadline. Honestly, did not live up to my expectations, but that was expected with uh, only one month left to play. Rental market's gonna be way down, but I mean, we saw we saw a few fun moves. So at the end of the day, still pretty fun. But let's look at some of the teams and what they did, and uh, what makes them so special. So. The Arizona Diamondbacks uh, thought they were going to compete coming into this year, as I'm sure fellow KCOU sports member Justin Bayer, sad to see, they did not. Not doing the best this year, fifth place in the NLS. So 
The Diamondbacks shipped out Starling Marte, Archie Bradley, Robbie Ray, and Andrew Chafin to jumpstart yet another short-term retool. Uh, they were able to pick up outfield prospects Stuart Fairchild and Humberto Mejia and Julio Frias. Uh, for just, I mean, those four players are going to be in those markets for a small time, so not the worst move. So good return for one-month rentals, but still it's always tough parting with players as good as Starling Marte and Archie Bradley. I mean, Robbie Ray and Andrew Schaefer, I'm sure they'll uh, be okay, but who knows? Moving on to the Atlanta Braves. All they did was add Tommy Lund. Not the best trade deadline for a contending team that does not have Mike Soroka, who is their ace right now. So I don't know what the Braves were doing. Must have just not seen the potential in uh, getting a few more pitchers. But they're still in first place of the NL East. So just have to see what happens with the rest of the year. All right. Moving on to the Boston Red Sox. Honestly, they had a good deadline, all things considered. They got Seabold from the Padres for two relievers. They got international money as well for giving away relievers. Uh, they held on to Xander Bogarts. They held on to pretty much everybody but Mitch Moreland, who I think Mitch Moreland, honestly, good player to trade away right now. It's not going to fit into their timeline, honestly. Good retool by the Boston Red Sox. I was a little surprised. All right. We move on to Cleveland. They traded away Mike Clevenger for okay prospects from the Padres. I mean, the Padres have such a stacked farm system that you're not going to get anybody too fantastic. Like, too fantastic comparatively. They're still really good prospects and will probably excel in Cleveland's system. But, I mean, parting with Mike Clevenger always sucks, but I don't think that was going to work with the locker room anymore. Hopefully, Trevor Plesak does. Um, and, yeah, don't really know what else to say about that. Uh, they were overloaded at pitcher. They needed a few outfielders. They did that. So, good on Cleveland. All right, moving on to the Cincinnati Reds. Surprisingly, buyers in this trade deadline. They were able to acquire Brian Goodwin and Archie Bradley. Uh, so, overall, good trade deadline. They got a good outfielder and Goodwin from the Angels, and they got Archie Bradley, who, I mean, relievers, for how real much sought after relievers were this year, it's really surprising that Archie Bradley uh, went to the Reds for the price they got him for. But one month. There's one month of baseball left. All right, going to the team Goodwin came from the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Really stupid name because they just play in Anaheim. So they got rid of a lot of expiring veterans and such, like Tony Lasella. Brian Goodwin has just mentioned a few other pieces here and there. Um, just trying to shed payroll. They've been, they're locked into those huge contracts with Trout, Rendon, and Pujols and Upton that um, I think team, things are going to get rough in Anaheim. Uh, they got some prospects too, so not the worst. They kept their best players. So 
who knows how it'll end up. Things are going to get really tough in Anaheim the next two years, though, as Albert Pujols is on the last two years of his contract, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, except that those are the two most expensive years because he's very backloaded on that contract. All right, moving on to the Miami Marlins of Miami. They added Starling Marte, and they got a good package for Jonathan Villar. Considering how packed their middle infield is right now, not a bad trade to get rid of Villar for some good players from the Blue Jays. Uh, and Starling Marte, I think even for his age, is uh, going to excel as an outfielder for the Marlins. I think they can make a Cinderella run this year and make the playoffs easily, even with their schedule. So, have to see how it ends up. All right, moving on to my second hometown team, the Oakland Athletics. They added Mike Miner and Tommy Lasella to fill out depth, and they got rid of a few prospects like Flanker and Barreto and other guys for those two um, players. But, I mean, these are looking better than I think they've had in a long time. So, hopefully, they'll be able to come back from this uh, tough predicament they found themselves in where a uh, member of the organization on the travel squad tested positive one time but didn't get a confirmed positive, but they still had to sit out play out of an abundance of caution. So, it's going to be a rough schedule for them coming up. But, I mean, the A's can do it. If they get hot, could end up working to their advantage. We'll have to see. But... Mike Miner, Mike Miner is a pitcher. Is uh, some starting pitcher that they desperately needed. And Tommy Lasella, I mean, can't complain about him. I really like him as an infielder, and I really like him on the Athletics here. Right, the unquestioned kings of the trade deadline, just like they've been the unquestioned kings of the off season so many times. The San Diego Padres, they were able to pick up Mike Clevenger. Jason Castro, Trevor Rosenthal, Mitch Moreland, and Austin Ola without giving up any top five prospects. I mean, it's one month of these, well, except for Mike Clevenger. Mike Clevenger, it's like three more years left, and a few of these guys have uh, more team control with them. But still, the Padres got some great pieces to contend now, and they didn't really give up that many great players in their farm system. So they won't... They did a great job. I mean, have to see where those players end up that they trade away to get these guys. But still, I mean, you're looking at a team that's, that's young outside of a few veterans um, and that's reaching their contention window really young and with a lot of team control. So I don't blame them for going for these guys. I think they could compete for a while if things keep on going. Um yeah, it's good to see the Padres finally get out of this rebuild, but also as a fan of another team in the NL West. I mean, tough to see because, you know, it's another thorn in the side in the NL West. It's not like there's enough of those in the NL West. Um, can you add to what I think is the best division? Maybe I think the AL Central is probably a little better, but the best division in the NL, in the NL West. So... Padres looking good. Um, they're not going to compete with the Dodgers for the regular season, but anything can happen in the playoffs. And they get hot, could easily see them going all the way. Right, going up the Pacific Coast up to Seattle. It's rebuild time. It's a trade away. Tajuan Walker, 
Daniel Vogelback, who they trade away for money. Um, Taylor Williams, Austin Ola, Austin Adams, and others. Uh, but they ended up with Taylor Trammell, who I think was one of the best prospects to be traded this trade deadline. Uh, so, I mean, rebuild. The Mariners find themselves in that constantly. I thought this was finally... The Mariners could succeed in some aspects. I think they could have found themselves in this expanded playoffs. Obviously not going to happen. Uh, it's a rough time in Seattle, I think, for the Seattle Mariners. Right, going west to east to Texas, we got the Texas Rangers. They trade away Mike Miners for a few prospects, but how this team did not trade away Lance Lynn, who right now, probably the front runner for AL Cy Young. It's ridiculous because, I mean, they're not competing this year. They're not anywhere close. They're one of the worst teams in the AL, and they don't get rid of their best asset. Wayne Slynn could have gone to any playoff team and would have been a good fit. I mean, he's a great starting pitcher this year. But instead, you have... You have him playing on the Texas Rangers team, which I don't fault them for keeping a Cy Young candidate. It's just that he's in their last year. And, I mean, what are the Rangers going to do? They're not going to do anything. Gallo, I get a little bit because he has a few more years left to control and they couldn't get a good package for him or something. I get that. But how they could not find a package for Lance Lynn is just utterly ridiculous. All right, last team I'm going to talk about in full... The Toronto Blue Jays, they added Tejuan Walker from the Mariners, Robbie Ray, Wash Stripling from the Dodgers and what was a very surprising trade, and Jonathan VR. Yes, please, I'd like to invest in some Toronto Blue Jays with their youth and these players. I think they're easily going to end up in the playoffs. They could even start challenging the Yankees for that second spot in the AL East. But who knows at this point, but the Blue Jays, Playing in Buffalo, very excited to see where they go. Just going to be a super fun team to watch overall. All right, now let's talk about the teams that did nothing and probably should have done, except for the Braves, who we already talked about, and the Rangers, obviously. We got the L.A. Dodgers, who pretty much just straight away Ross Stripling because, you know, they have so many starting pitchers. You got the Minnesota Twins, who probably could have used some depth. You got the New York Yankees, who, my God... Needed starting pitching and needed depth after all of their injuries. I don't know what has happened with that team. You got the San Francisco Giants who stayed pat. They uh, added Daniel Robertson for cash, but that's it. And you got the Houston Astros, which befuddles me. I get that they're not as good as they've been in previous years this year, but they have so so many injuries, especially in their bullpen that it just doesn't make any sense that they did not try to get any pieces in that bullpen. I think it's a big mistake for them. All right, that's enough trade deadline chatter. Last you'll hear me talk about the trade deadline, probably until next year, I would guess, since, you know, that's how the trade deadline works. All right, after this break, we're going to be talking briefly about the NBA. Make sure to not tune away. Thank you for listening. KCOU would like to shout out Eastside Cap. All right, welcome back. Going to go through this really quickly. 
as of course, like usual, running low on time. Really need to pace myself better. All right. So yesterday, we saw the end to the Thunder Rocket series. A uh, little disappointed with the way it ended. Scott Foster. Don't know how he's an NBA ref anymore. But, I mean, the Thunder, man. Nobody expected them to be here. Uh, so, it's crazy to see him here. Lujan Stort kept telling people before he got drafted that he should get drafted pretty high. He went undrafted. Thunder pick him up. Honestly, they should win. Uh, Presti should win executive of the year probably solely off of that. Because... Lujan Sort has been insane on defense this year. And, I mean, he was great on offense last year, too. It was a great game, though. Houston moves on to the second round. We saw the Heat take game two and a 2-0 lead from the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Jimmy Butler's built different. I don't know what to say. Um, I mean, the Heat look so good. I'm just continually in awe of them. Um... Today, we get Raptors-Celtics Game 3. Boston leads that series 2-0. Um, excited to see this game, too. Uh, starts a little earlier at 5.30 tonight. And then we get Game 1 of Nuggets-Clippers. So, those should all be fun. And then, of course, tomorrow is the start of Rockets-Lakers. Only got two games tonight now. Uh, a little sex a little, but, I mean, two games a night, that's still plenty. Just wait until it's one game a night with the conference finals. That's going to be rough. Well, all right. That is all I have for the NBA because I am out of time yet again. So thank you for listening. Remember to stay safe. Remember to check out the Most American Preview up on KCOU.FM today. And follow me at Lucas A. Owens on Twitter. Thank you for listening. Have a good rest of your day and stay safe and stay healthy. Adios.